Hi everybody, you're listening to another episode of Is This Actually Healthy? The show that specializes on small practical tips and steps you can take to improve your eating, fitness, and overall health. Through this journey, we've realized that large positive changes can be made through building small subconscious habits. And through these, it's definitely deserving to feel pride with the progress we make, whether by improving our energy, our body composition, our weight, or mental health. However, the unfortunate fact is that we live in a modern age in which sometimes we take our drive to modify our eating and exercise to damaging levels, resulting in eating disorders or exercise obsessions. These afflictions are not rare and are even growing in today's society. And making changes to your lifestyle could snowball and have damaging outcomes if you start doing things for the wrong reasons and from a state of poor mental health. Eating disorders are a sensitive topic, but I really wanted to talk about them today to explore how they can happen and how they can stem from the behavioral psychology of eating and exercise. And more importantly, why we need to recognize these behaviors for ourselves and others. To discuss this topic, I have brought on um, Athena Crilly from the UK. Athena has overcome having an eating disorder in the past and has used this experience to reach out to help others. One way she does this is through her own podcast, Finding Flow, where she talks about big topics like this, among other topics. Athena has been patiently waiting for me to get through this intro. So, Athena, you can now say hi to my audience. Hello to everybody listening, and thank you so much for having me on today. I'm excited to chat to you. It's, I'm very excited to have Athena here. We have so many things we want to cover in a short amount of time, so I really want to get into it. And first, I'm going to ask Athena, what exactly is an eating disorder? What defines one? Yeah, sure. So I guess I should preface this by saying I'm not like a professional, medical professional. I just have a lot of personal experience with eating disorders. I also know quite a few other people who have had eating disorders. And I guess like a a sort of well-rounded um, answer to what is an eating disorder, it's, it's a psychological disorder, so a mental health condition that usually results from, or I guess is characterized by restrictive eating behaviors and sort of disordered thinking around food and in some eating disorders a lot of the time there are also disordered thoughts around exercise as well. Yeah I understand that the two aren't exactly separate concepts because when people do kind of build this obsession with eating then it can also um, definitely relate back to the exercise of what exactly are you doing with your um, exercise to lose weight, or if you're trying to overcompensate what you eat, um, that kind of behavior? Yeah, it, it does all interlink really closely. Um, and yeah, a lot of it is down to maybe trying to look a certain way, maybe trying to feel like you're achieving. Like I know, for, I guess we'll get onto my story in a bit, but I know for me, it was a lot about sort of being able to exercise more than other people or 
being able to exercise for X amount of hours a day would just make me feel like I'd really achieved something. What exactly are the most common eating disorders out there? Yeah, I mean, the most common are anorexia and bulimia. Um, there are also a few others, but I think I think they're a little less common. Um, but I guess the main two are anorexia and bulimia. I'm very interested in the, like I, I'm going to use the term that I mentioned in the intro, the behavioral psychology of eating. I know that all of the problems with these eating disorders comes from specific behaviors and these can start out very small and then, and then grow over time to unhealthy levels. But just starting out from the beginning, what do you think are some of the problematic triggering behaviors that can lead to something more drastic? Yeah, sure. Um, just before I answer this, actually, I realized there is another quite common eating disorder, which is called binge eating disorder, um, where people sort of binge. You can oh, yeah. actually get, like, there's like a subtype of anorexia where the individual will restrict and binge. And that's called anorexia binge purge subtype. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. Um, but yeah, some of the, I guess like the sort of red flags, because eating disorders, they take a long time to develop. Usually it begins with mm-hmm. very minor, small changes to the person's lifestyle and it will just spiral into an eating disorder. That is what happens a lot of the time. Um, so I guess some of the the sort of red flags to look out for is, you know, rapid weight loss. That can be a really, really big sign that, you know, the person is restricting and over-exercising. Again, there are two other red flags. The person's not eating as much as they used to. They're, they're very restrictive in their mindset around food or they're over-exercising a lot. Maybe they're going to the gym for hours and hours a day. They're exercising in their room. Um, another red flag is they might be eating large amounts of food and then going straight to the bathroom so that they can be sick. And that would be a sign of bulimia or even binge eating disorder. Um, there's some sort of physical symptoms that come along with not eating or sort of restricting your food so that person might start to be really tired they might lose concentration when you're speaking to them they might feel dizzy or faint sometimes um if if it's a woman who's going through the eating disorder they might lose their period and I guess that's you're not really going to notice that unless you're quite close to the person but that's another really really big sign that the body is saying something is wrong here like something is stressing us out and we need to do something about it um and you can often find when if you've been restricting for sort of a few months um and you know you're just getting into the depths of an eating disorder you can find that your hair might start to fall out and get really thin your nails can get really brittle. Um, your skin's going to get really dry. You're going to feel cold all the time. I could go on and on, honestly, but these are all really like key signs that something's not right. Yeah, that's a big list there. And there are people that walk walk past us or sit with us or interact with us every day who have probably had an eating disorder at some point in their lives. I can't remember what the statistic 
uh, was that I read, but it made it seem like it's definitely common. If you're walking on the street, then you're probably interacting with someone who has encountered something like this at some point. And maybe if it was someone you were close to, you could have, you could have noticed, or a lot of these people, I think keep this as like a, a, a hidden battle where you wouldn't really know about this if you just came across them. It's, it's very powerful to recognize all the symptoms, I think, and that there could be more to it than, you, than what pops to your head. I guess now I'd like to get into your personal story. Yeah, of course. I will try and keep it quite short because I had like an eight-year eating disorder, so I could literally go on and on about this. Um, but I... So I was diagnosed with anorexia when I was 13 um, and it really all started with me just wanting to lose weight. Like I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was necessarily overweight when I was like 11 or 12, but I had, you know, a bit of what they call puppy fat where, you know, you, you're just a child. So you're not really slim and sculpted. You you just have a child's body. Um, so but I- 13 years, that's- yeah. I was just saying 13 years, that seems so young. Usually uh, like we're still at the age at 13 where we're, we're not really caring about what we look like. We're still eating what we want. At least I think that's what I was doing as a 13 year old. Do, do you know what, what stimulated that at such a young age? Yeah, it, it is very young. And the thing is I had such a normal childhood. Like I didn't have before my eating. So I didn't have any thoughts about my body image or exercise um, and I, I really don't know what triggered it. Like I, I don't know. Um, usually, or a lot of the time with eating disorders, people can pinpoint one sort of traumatic event. Maybe it's their parents divorcing or losing a family member or something traumatic that triggers them to seek control elsewhere in their life. And that control is around food and exercise usually that's what happens. For me, I actually have no idea. Like, I don't know what triggered it. I just remember wanting to lose weight and maybe it's my personality. I have a very, like, I have that kind of personality where if I think of something and I want to do something, I go a bit over the top with it and it sort of takes over my life. So I think it was kind of just that. And I just began exercising for hours every day. I was restricting my food more and more and yeah, that just sort of led me into anorexia. I'm kind of curious, um, since you were still young and um, probably living with your family members and all that, did anybody really notice this or did they really let it slide over the years? No, yeah, they definitely noticed. Um, my mom, at first, like, like my parents were fine, you know, they were just like, oh, she's she wants to exercise a bit that's fine like she's getting older um and and then it got to the point I remember where my mum was like okay like you need to you need to stop exercising now you, you're doing a bit too much and obviously at that time maybe it wasn't an eating disorder at that time maybe it hadn't fully developed into that and I don't think my parents realized what was actually going to come but the, I, I do remember them saying like oh you need to stop you need to slow down um and they became a bit more aware of like what I was doing. Um, and then, so that, that sort of started around May of 2009 when I was 13. 
And Mm -hmm. by October of 2009, I'd lost about like a third of my body weight. And my mum was like, okay, we need to go to the doctor now. So she got me a referral to like a, a pediatrician and I went to go and see him. And that was like the first appointment of many, many, many more for years to come. Um, so yeah, she did take action as, as quickly as she realized that it was a problem. I guess, when did you realize it was a problem? When did it come into your head that perhaps this behavior wasn't actually um, normal or, or best for you? Oh yeah, that's such a tough question because I remember even when, even in the October, when my mum took me to the doctor, I remember saying to her, like, I don't need to go to the doctor. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just exercising a bit. I'm just eating a bit less. Um, And I, I don't know what the point would have been where I realised. I guess, I don't, yeah, I don't really know. I think a lot of the time with eating disorders or especially with anorexia, you are in denial a lot of the time. You kind of deny that there's anything wrong And that can go on for years and years and years um, until you finally realize, okay, I've got a problem, I need help. Um, So I I was probably just in denial for a long time, even though I was literally hospitalized for my eating disorder, I probably was still thinking there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, absolutely. I actually watched a a documentary on Netflix once several years ago. It um, It was called To the Bone. Have you heard of it? It was yeah. I think I watched that. Yeah, where the the main character had um, anorexia, and then she was put in a support group with other people with eating disorders. That was probably the most um, intimate movie that I've seen on that topic. And her her thing was that she obviously didn't see that she had a problem, and um, that's how kind of the other characters were going about it sometimes. Um, I wanted to bring up a a term here to see if this could fit what you were describing. I learned it in your podcast when I was listening to an episode. Um, It's this term orthorexia. Basically, I interpreted it as the fear of food and overanalyzing everything you eat. Now, especially over this period when you were being hospitalized or you're having the most restricted form of your diet did you really overanalyze everything you ate to to what extent would you say that food was consuming your life yeah sure so yeah orthorexia is actually a, a whole eating disorder in and of itself and it's it's usually centered around like the the person d- sort of fears processed food so everything has to be very healthy and nutritious and they won't eat food that isn't healthy and nutritious um I I wouldn't really say I necessarily had orthorexia because even during my eating disorder I still ate sort of you know the odd chocolate bar here and there but it for me it was just I I was barely eating anything and for me the focus was very much around like I would track the calories that I was eating. I would only eat at very specific times and that would be once a day, a very small meal once a day. Um, And I was very, very obsessed with exercise. So it would, honestly, if I was left alone for the day, it would just be all day. Um, So I guess 
I didn't, I wouldn't say I had orthorexia. Um, it was more just being very, very restrictive with my food and overexercising a lot for me. Okay. Yeah. I may have taken the definition to that a little bit of a different direction, but um, yeah, I was really just wondering how much you overanalyzed what you ate. Cause I feel like with such restrictions, only eating once one small meal a day, I mean, that's a huge decision on what that meal has to be. I feel like my entire day would revolve around that moment. Oh, oh I'm very food oriented actually. <laughs> Oh, it does. The thing is, though, like the thing is, and I never really mention this when I go on podcasts and things, but it's actually such an important thing to that you've just made me think about. But with eating disorders, or well, with anorexia in particular, because you are restricting so much, your brain goes into this like survival mode and it basically makes you think about food 24 seven. All I thought about was food. That was I was obsessed with food. And people find that really weird when I say that because they're like, but you bet you were barely eating anything. And I'm like, yeah, but I thought about food so much. And that's because the brain just, it's like an evolutionary mechanism where back in the day when we were hunting our own food thousands of years ago, if you hadn't eaten or you were, you'd had barely any food for the past week your brain would stimulate stimulate you to think about food so that you go out and hunt and find food so that you survive and it we have the same mechanism in our brain today so if you are restricting and people might even find this if they go on a diet not an, not an eating disorder just a diet they might start they might start to think about food more and more because their brain is like oh my god something's wrong we're not getting enough food so yeah, I, I definitely, food did consume my whole day. It was all I thought about. Yeah, and with your exercise, it seems like it was more of an exercise um, addiction, really. Um, how did you have the um, the energy to, to do all this extra exercise when you were eating so little? Like, how does your body cope with that? honestly I don't know (laughs) I mean the body is very clever and if you if you aren't eating enough it will pull from other sources so it will pull from your glycogen stores at first so like the glucose that's stored in your liver and your muscles Mm -hmm. then it'll turn to fat and it'll start breaking down fat cells for energy when it doesn't have any fat left it will break down your muscle so that is why a lot of people who have long-term eating disorders they will lose a lot of skeletal muscle they can also mm-hmm. lose some cardiac muscle, so your heart muscle. Um, so y- your heart can get a lot weaker when you have an eating disorder because your body is basically starting to break down the heart muscle. It breaks down whatever it can to find energy so that you survive. Um, so so yeah, I found after my eating disorder when I sort of when I'd when I started to recover, I, I was very, very weak because I just basically had no muscle left. Yeah. What exactly got you out of this habit? What put you on the road to recovery? Again, that's it's something I really can't pinpoint. I'm really not sure. Like I, I was, when I was 19, that was my final hospital stay out of five. And that was in a, a mental health sort of specialist hospital. Um, I would say that helped a little bit, but it wasn't really, it wasn't the thing I would say that like, 
projected me into recovery. I really don't know what what it was. I, w- I went to university um, and, you know, I met some people that I got along with. I, I, I made the friends that I still have today around that age when I started to recover. And I think that really helped me just having people around me that cared about me and supported me through it. And yeah, that that's the only thing I can really think. I actually can't pinpoint one exact thing that helped me to recover though. It's so difficult. How long do you think it took, um, would you say, to get from having an eating disorder to when you could tell yourself, I don't think I have one anymore? Years, <laughs> literally years. Um, I would say, so I would say I started recovery around around the age of 20 and I wouldn't even say, I would say last year was probably the time where I was like, right, I have no disordered thoughts around food and eating. Even though I'd been sort of like a healthy weight from about the age of like 21 onwards, I still had the odd little thought about, you know, exercise and I was still a bit rigid around food. But I would say, yeah, I would say it took me about four years to sort of relax a bit more and not be so rigid around those things. It's definitely a long-term process because like you said at the beginning, it takes long-term to to develop these behaviors. You're basically having to untrain your psychology because all of this that you're doing when you have an eating disorder, it's, it's, it's mental and you've trained your body into this state of starvation or exercise addiction, what, whatever it is. And it takes a long time to, to come out of it and just to, to mentally wire yourself into thinking, I don't actually have to live that way anymore. Yeah, it's, I think that's something a lot of people don't realize as well is recovery in itself is a, a long process. Like it's not just a overnight, you wake up and you think, okay, well, I'm going to recover today. Like it, it is really not that simple. It's, if anything, recovery is it can be take even longer than the eating disorder. And for some people, they never fully recover. They they always have slightly disordered thoughts around food and exercise, and they just learn to, to manage it and live with it. So it is definitely a very long process. I think one of the most interesting aspects of this for me is the small thoughts that you can have at the beginning that can lead to a behavior like this because a lot of people who are probably listening right now are people who are interested in making some positive changes. They want to actually go on a diet that works or be able to lose some weight. They want to get stronger, improve their their body image. These goals in themselves are great goals to have. These aren't dangerous. And doing little things from the beginning saying, okay, um, if I want to lose weight, then I'm going to have to put myself in a calorie deficit and have better quality meals. That sounds perfectly attainable, but it just really interests me how these little steps to reach that goal could take, um, could really swerve and take a wrong turn where it starts to turn into, okay, I need to I need to obsessively count my calories. I need to start adding excessive exercise to try to 
improve my calorie deficit. I need to meticulously plan every single meal or, or feel bad about every meal I eat that doesn't meet that standard. Um, I just, I was thinking about this a bit myself um, when you were talking on your podcast about, I guess, what are some of the, the questions that people ask themselves? Or what are some of the little thoughts that pop into your head that, that can lead to these behaviors? And I was thinking, have I ever had any of these thoughts? And a little bit, yeah. If I look, I mean, I've never been diagnosed with an eating disorder, but I've definitely, I'm like you, I like to take things over the top. If I put my mind to something, then I am a go-getter. I have to achieve it. So with this whole fitness and nutrition thing I've done, there's definitely been moments where I think I've taken it too seriously. I would tell myself that if I had an unhealthy meal, then I would, I would shame myself. Or if I felt like I ate too many calories in one meal, then it's like, okay, I have to compensate for that. I have to skip breakfast the next morning, or I have to make sure that I don't have a snack after I go to the gym. Um, I realized that those kind of behaviors could just occur to normal people who just have big goals, but they're really hard on themselves. Yeah, they 100% they can. And it's, I think that's the scary thing about it is a lot of the time with eating disorders, it does start with those innocent thoughts. And the thoughts that, you know, like you mentioned about maybe... I don't know, it could just be, oh, I should work out for a bit longer today or I shouldn't eat as much today because I ate so much yesterday. Those, are, those aren't necessarily indicators that you have an eating disorder, but they are thoughts that are disordered. Mm-hmm. So you can you can have disordered eating and you can have eating disorders. And there is a difference between the two. And I think disordered eating is actually very common. I think because of the way society is nowadays, I think a lot of people have thoughts like the ones you mentioned and it never quite develops onto an eating disorder, but they still have those negative sort of opinions and thoughts around food and sometimes exercise. Yeah, for me, it was definitely constant negative feedback for a while before I kind of snapped out of it and realized that I did have control over my nutrition. I did have good control over my fitness before I really convinced myself I was happy with it. It was a lot of negative feedback where I was just constantly thinking about every meal and if it was good enough for the dietary plan that I wanted to have. And I, I can't say that I've gone into the exercise addiction thing. Um, For me, my exercise has always been for enjoyment. I can't really think of times when I've thrown myself on a horrible workout because just because I thought I had to compensate for something. But I would sometimes have compensative thoughts when it came to the food. So if I didn't work out for a day, I would get obsessive and think that I really had to cut back what I ate for that day to make up for it. When in reality, the food is more important than the exercise as far as keeping your caloric balance and keeping weight. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. There's only so much exercise you can do if you want to lose weight. Whereas with nutrition, you can always adjust the food you're eating and the meal times and that kind of thing. Yeah, I guess that's 
when when you have anorexia for example and you're you're exercising for hours a day your your body at some point is it's going to quit dropping the weight i mean it has to stay a sustainable weight just to survive and um i wonder if you really noticed that maybe you reached a threshold where the more you exercise it just it, it didn't do any good anymore um yeah i did to a point i think for me i wasn't it got to the point where I wasn't really exercising to lose weight. I was just exercising out of like compulsion because I was just addicted to doing it. And it just made me, if I hadn't exercised, I would just feel so like it would just really, really make me so anxious. Um, I think the weight loss obviously does plateau. Um, and you will, I mean, you probably will continue to lose weight basically until you die. If you are like some people do die from eating disorders, which is really sad. Um, so it, it will slow down, but the body, like I said, it will just continue to pull energy from your muscle tissue. So you will lose weight from that. Um, but yeah, it, it can only do that for so long, really. I would like to know what your stance is on, on this statement here. Um, do you think one of the big things that I guess lets these behaviors go on longer than they should is that people think that their eating disorder is not that bad or they compare it to somebody else and say, oh, well, at least at least I'm not doing that. I mustn't have a problem if I'm not as bad as this person. How big of an issue is this? Yeah, I think that I think that's a big issue. And I think that's a, a lot of the reason why or the reason why a lot of people don't get help is because they don't think their eating disorder is bad enough for help. Um, and they might be comparing themselves to the extremes. The thing is with eating disorders, you can, you can have an eating disorder and be a quote unquote normal weight. You don't have to be severely underweight or overweight to have an eating disorder. It comes down to the psychology because it's a psychological disorder and I think that's a big player is it, a lot of people, if they are, you know, within the healthy recommended weight range, but they're having all of these thoughts around food and exercise, they might think, oh, well, I'm a normal weight, so I don't need help. So that stops mm-hmm. them getting help and that can just make the problem worse. So I think that is a big issue. And I just want to quickly say that, you know, eating disorders don't look a certain way they you can be in a body of any size and shape and have an eating disorder and you always like you should never feel like you don't deserve help because you do Mm -hmm. yeah um how should you proceed if if you think that you suffer from disordered eating or from an actual eating disorder itself what where should you turn to I think the thing is just to always get help. And the first place to turn, I would say, is your family members. So if there are people that you are very close to in your family, just open up to them and tell them what's been going on and how you're feeling. If you have really, really close friends, again, tell them. Just because that gets a bit of it off your chest, it it starts to build that support network. And then from there, I would say get professional help. I know it's it's different in different countries, like the healthcare system in the UK, it's free. So you just go to your GP 
explain what's going on and they will then refer you to a mental health team. I'm not sure how it works in the US or in Australia, um, but if possible, get some sort of professional help. Yeah, that's good advice. And especially, I think, going to your the people who are close to you, that's probably the, the easiest first step that you can do. I, I really liked hearing your story. Like I said, this is a topic I have not breached at all on this show. And I think it's just really helpful to make people aware of it and to just ensure that what they're doing is for the right reasons. It's good for them. It's, it's making them feel good. If you're ever going down a path where you feel like that's not the case or you are becoming consumed with your nutrition and your fitness more than what is healthy for you, then yeah, it's it's good to be aware of this stuff so you aren't unknowingly developing these behaviors that are really hard to unravel and can take even years to recover from. I'm I'm very happy to have had you on the show today, Athena. And just for a last thing, I would like you to tell my listeners where they can find you if they would like to get on social media. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun and I am really passionate about spreading more awareness about eating disorders. So thank you for inviting me on. If anybody wants to listen to my podcast, uh, it's called Finding Flow and Flow is spelled F-L-O. So there's no W on there. Um, That's sort of mainly about women's health and nutrition and hormones and periods and all that good stuff. Um, And that's on any podcast platform. Um, And my Instagram is at finding flow podcast again it's just flo not flow um and that that's sort of the main place that i hang out so if anyone wants to get in touch with me they can do on instagram great thanks for that and you do have your podcast it's been it's been running for longer than mine so my listeners can go out there and binge all the episodes i've been listening to athena's show and it's pretty good you can learn a lot of stuff so there's another podcast recommendation for you All right. Thank you so much. That wraps up the show for today. I'm really glad that you stuck through to the end. I want to remind you that wherever you're listening to this show, if you could please subscribe to it and also rate it. Give it a five-star review wherever you're listening. That would really help me out and help the show grow to reach the ears of more people. You can find me on Instagram at isthisactuallyhealthy. I post promotional content, and I also give updates about future episodes that I'm working on if you would like to check that out. One more thing, my podcast has moved websites, so if you would like to visit the website for my podcast and see all my episodes, you can actually do that through Acast now. I've moved my podcast onto that distribution platform, so you can find information on my show there. You guys all have a great day and I'm wishing you the best on your nutritional journeys. Ciao, ciao.